Um, we've got two Bible readings this morning. One, the first one's Hebrews 12, uh, 1 to 2. 1 to 3. Nice. I only practice 1 to 2, so if I screw up the third verse. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And the second reading is Deuteronomy 6, 4-9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Thanks, Dave. Uh, Let me just pray for Melinda as she comes to speak the word to us this morning. Father God, we thank you that uh, through your word and through your spirit you speak to us, that you uh, give us the opportunity to hear directly from you, our Lord and our creator. Father, we pray this morning as Melinda brings us uh, a message from you, that you would give us uh, the mindset, the heart, uh, the place we need to be to hear what you have to say to us. Uh, God, we thank you that you've been speaking to Melinda this week as she prepared this sermon. Uh, we thank you that, um, yeah, we have the chance this morning to sit together, whether here or at home, uh, to be able to hear your word uh, given to us. We pray that you might teach us and grow us, and we pray that you would help us to listen. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thanks, Lauren. Oh, look at that. Uh, good morning. Uh, we are right in the middle of a teaching series that we called Discipleship in the New Normal. Um, and I don't know if you are, this phrase new normal is one that kind of get hearing a lot at the moment, as probably for the first time in most of our lifetimes, we find ourselves in a time where we're all experiencing change uh, and uncertainty at the same time. And so we're trying to adjust to, you know, the plans that we had for what this year was going to look like have changed uh, and are continuing to be changed and continuing to be reshaped. Case in point, where we find ourselves sitting in this room this morning, uh, what we're doing online, you know, how we're doing communion, what we might be doing next week, how things are kind of constantly changing. But the question we really wanted to ask is about discipleship, and that doesn't change. Discipleship is who we are. We are followers of Jesus. 
Uh, and Jesus calls us to be his people in every situation, in every circumstance. And so we're going to try to look at some of the um, things that we've been learning uh, as this change happens. I'm not sure if we're in the new normal yet. I think the new normal maybe is still to come. We're figuring it out as we go. Um, but over the last few weeks, we've looked at things like community and well-being and our priorities. And in the next few weeks, we're going to look at some topics including money uh, and our emotions and even how we think about life and death. But today... The area of discipleship in the new normal we're going to be talking about is our habits. So I don't know if anyone, when I say that word habits, things come to mind for you. You think, oh, my bad habits or my good habits uh, or what are habits. Um, But statistics show that there has been an increase in the things that distract us, the things we are addicted to, the things we do that we wish we didn't, and the things we do automatically without thinking during these last few months that this season, that's the Christian, I was told that's the Christian way of saying, you know, these unprecedented times, uh, these COVID times, whatever you want to call them, has actually amplified and highlighted a number of our habits globally. So here's a few interesting statistics for you. An Australian Bureau of Statistics survey found that we're eating about, uh, 22% of us are eating a lot more junk food than we used to. Uh, There's been a significant increase in alcohol consumption About 60% of us have dramatically increased our screen time over the last few months. Uh, So things like services like Netflix, Disney Plus and Amazon Prime all added just in Australia between half a million and one million new subscriptions just in the month of March. Uh, It just shot up. Uh, They all have gained more viewers in the last three months than they had in the previous 12 months. Uh, In the US, Verizon said that online gaming usage went up 75% in the last couple of months. One informal poll found that porn usage had gone up 60%. And in fact, the world's biggest porn site worldwide increased its traffic 20% in just one month, from February to March. So the things that maybe we are spending our time on, whether you see them as things that we should be doing, we shouldn't be doing, the things that we wish we weren't doing, the things that concern us, uh, this season seems to have amplified and lifted. Interestingly, at the same time, there's also some interesting research about increases in things like desire for prayer, desire for connection with God. One retailer reported a 55% increase in the sale of Bibles in the last three months. Google searches for prayer increased 50% between February and March. It's fascinating to me. One Google trend analysis, I don't know who sits down and does this work, but get this, they figured out that internet searches for the word prayer roughly double for every new 80,000 cases of COVID. I don't know who worked that out. Uh, so, what, yeah, so while one set of things has increased, there's also been this returning or turning to some other habits that we think might be helpful in this season. I was talking to someone this week who walked away from the church and from faith that they'd grown up in many, many years ago and said, I don't even know if I believe in God, but in the last few months as my life has been in crisis, I've been praying. I don't even know if I want to be praying or if I believe in the God that I'm praying to, and yet I find myself crying out to him. What's going on? So when we talk about habits, we can be talking about some potentially negative, distracting, uh, unhelpful and unhealthy things, but we can also be talking about some really positive and some formative and transformative practices. And so what I want to try and do this morning, with a bit of a, you know, two, two sides of the coin, is look a little bit at both. 
And we talk about habits, there's lots of definitions of what a habit is, but generally we're talking about the things that you do frequently and regularly. Those activities and practices that you do frequently and regularly, sometimes to the point that they actually become unconscious, that they just happen automatically because they are so ingrained. And if you've ever been someone who has a habit like biting your fingernails, which took me way too many years <laughs> to grow out of, you know, you know that you don't even realise you're doing it. It just happens. Uh, and habits flow out of our character, of what's going on inside us. But interestingly, our habits also form us because the things that we do regularly and frequently are actually shaping us and changing us. Now, I'm not here this morning to do some pop psychology for you. If you're interested in how habits work and how to break a bad habit and how to make a good new habit, there's plenty of books you can read on that. And I don't want to get too bogged down in the definitions because what we want to do is ask the discipleship questions. What is Jesus saying to us about this? And one of the frameworks we've found really helpful as a church and as a pastoral team over the last few months is this question of what has been exposed and what has been revealed in us through this season. Recognising the impact of a changing, uncertain time can be to amplify and highlight certain things. So what has been exposed? What are the habits that we know are not making us more like Jesus? or the habits that we know don't flow out of our relationship with him, but out of our own desires, or our own addictions, or our own rebellion, our own sinfulness? How are they being exposed, and where might we need to be challenged by God's word and convicted by the Holy Spirit? And you might already have something that's coming to mind. I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you to confess it to the room this morning, but I am going to challenge you to sit with it. On the other hand, what is being revealed what are those habits that actually sustain us and nourish us and lead us to flourish and be formed in the image of Jesus that maybe we've been clinging on to or we realise our desire and our need for? Where do we need to be invited and inspired and given ideas to practice discipleship habits that will form us and will bless us and will bless those around us? And so I want us to take you this morning to that first passage that Dave read from Hebrews chapter 12 where it focuses on Jesus. <laughs> There's a lot of passages in the Bible that actually do speak into this topic of habits. Just read the book of Proverbs if you're looking for some tips, for some practical, wise advice. But what I love about what the writer to the Hebrews does here is that he, he or perhaps she, we actually don't know who wrote this book, do we? Could be anyone. Um, but traditionally called he, the writer to the Hebrews, as I will say, focuses on Jesus as both the author and the perfecter or the finisher, the completer of our faith. Jesus is the one that we meet and come into relationship with, who brings us to God, who saves us, who rescues us, all the wonderful things that it means to be a Christian. But he is also the one who journeys with us every step of the way through every moment of every day, completing the work that God is doing in us. Being a Christian isn't sort of like an end goal, a process of like crossing a line and go, now I am a disciple, now I am a follower of Jesus. No, it is an everyday walking with him and being made and formed to be more like him. It is about discipleship from the moment we begin the journey with Jesus to the very end of our lives. It's who we are. Being a disciple is our identity as well as our practice. And so there are four things I see in this passage that I think might be really helpful. The writer of the Hebrews starts by saying, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. He actually starts with this idea that we don't do this alone. Discipleship is not lived individually, and I'm so grateful for that. It is such a privilege that we are able to meet, particularly talking to friends 
you know, interstate and overseas who are not able to meet at the moment, we are so grateful. But whether we can meet in person or not, we are part of a community. We are surrounded by others who are cheering us on. The image in Hebrews here seems to be of like a runner in a stadium with the crowds packed in the stands. It makes me think of when I went to the MCG for the Commonwealth Games back in 2006, and it was packed, like 100,000 people. And, you know, they're doing shot put and like high jump and long jump and sports that none of us have a clue about, but we are there with them. And we are just on our feet cheering and you know, singing the national anthem because it was a Commonwealth Games, so Australia won a lot. So I got to stand up and sing multiple times in the one night. And this sense of cheering these people on, of witnessing what they are doing and being for them and with them. And the writer to the Hebrew says, if you are a disciple of Jesus, this is not about you figuring out on your own and trying to try harder and do better and be all these things by yourself. But we are part of a community that encourages us, that cheers us on, that witnesses uh, and and uh, witnesses too, witnesses what we're doing and witnesses to what God is doing in our lives. And so we can learn from others around us. I think this cloud of witnesses goes right back to the early disciples, the, the first 12 followers of Jesus and those many others that are named in the Gospels. Right throughout the history of the church, we have people that we can look to and say, how were they formed and shaped? How can we learn from their habits and practices? And of course, we have a community that surrounds us today that we can learn from and be accountable to and share with. As a church at Richmond over the last few years, we've been talking about ideas like being vulnerable with each other. How can we be honest enough to acknowledge the things about being a disciple that are hard, the times when we do just get distracted and find ourselves with habits that are not forming us like Jesus? And how can we be courageous and generous enough to support each other in that, to cheer each other on, not to knock each other down, but to recognize the challenges and the difficulties? And how can we relate to one another with hope that longs to see us become more like Jesus, that there is a goal that we're heading towards and we can invite one another on that as we move forward. So think about the cloud of witnesses we're surrounded by. Then he says, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. This is where I want you to go back to those things that popped into your head when I started to talk about the bad habits that have been exacerbated by this season. Where is the conviction for you? What do you need to let go of? What has been exposed in you? And I think if we're honest, there is something we can name for all of us. There are things that we wish we were not doing so much things that we feel embarrassed or maybe guilty about, things that are unsatisfying or maybe just distracting and sucking up our time that we realize could have been spent more productively or in community. What is not godly and not forming Jesus in you? So let me invite you, take a moment, think back over the last few weeks. What has tripped you up? If you are the runner in the stadium being cheered on, he says, there are things that easily will entangle you. How do we bring those things to Jesus? This is not about me making you feel guilty, but it is about us as a community inviting the Holy Spirit to convict us and to challenge us, to listen to his voice and say, are there ways in which we have been practicing habits that take us away from the path that you have called us to run, that trip us up, that cause us to stumble and fall over.
What is he pointing out and what is his invitation to us? It might be really simple. It might just be how you've been spending your time. It might be, I don't know about you, but at early days of COVID in particular, the number of times that I was picking up my phone and refreshing and checking again, looking at the stats, looking at the news. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but it becomes a habit that is shaping and forming me. And suddenly this becomes my world and this becomes kind of the framework through which I am viewing the world. And I was convicted and challenged by that. I don't want that to be the first thing that I do every morning and the last thing that I think about every night. I want to be aware of what's going on in the world, but this was something that God convicted and challenged me about. I was uh, just, just this week, because I've been working on this message, so of course when you've got to talk to people about it, you get, you know, double back yourself. And thinking about how I've been watching some stuff, uh, you know, streaming, like, you know, TV shows that, that are fine, but really not that satisfying, kind of get to the end and I guess I'll watch another episode because it's there, but really, what, what is it, you know, am I really enjoying this or is it just wasting my time? And so I was really convicted and challenged by that and I was like, what could I be doing with that time? And this, I'm like, hesitate to tell you because you're just going to laugh at me because, you know, one of my really nerdy things. So I'm not suggesting you should all do the same thing at all. But I signed up for this online course. <laughs> I was like, if I'm going to be spending an hour in front of my computer each night, um, maybe I could do this as a, a course on uh, cultural competence in awareness of Aboriginal uh, communities. And I'm like, you know, that's something I'd like to know more about. I'd like to actually understand the history of the places I grew up. It was something I was going to do uh, earlier this year, which didn't happen because of COVID. Um, so, hey, maybe I can do that online. But, you know, one of the, the ways that I can be uh, recognising the things that are distracting the things that are becoming addictive, and maybe even the things that are a choice of rebellion away from God. How is the Spirit convicting me in that? Maybe for you there are things that are more serious. Instead, we know that things like abuse of alcohol, violence in families, porn usage have all gone up in this last season. Maybe you need to let the Holy Spirit convict you, and maybe you need to talk to someone about that. We don't want to shy away from the fact that God has called his disciples, if you are a follower of Jesus, to take time to acknowledge, to name, to confess, and to turn away from those things that are not of God, those things that are not leading us in the right path, those things that are unhelpful in our relationships with others, that other people are saying are taking us away from our families and our relationships and our priorities. How can we be accountable and vulnerable and courageous enough to say we're not going to pretend that these things aren't issues amongst our community. We're going to own that we all struggle and we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to do his work within us. Can I just say, I I realise it's kind of like something to throw at you and then I don't want to just move on quickly. Um, If you are being convicted about something, the, the easiest thing in the world to do is to lock it in a little box, throw away the key, and just go home and forget about it. That's the easy thing. It is so hard to actually name it, and particularly to name it to someone else. But if we, as disciples of Jesus, want to be a church that is courageous and vulnerable and accountable and hopeful towards one another, can I encourage you, tell somebody. Tell somebody today, whether it's your family member or a friend or one of the pastoral team, hey, I've been convicted about this. Not so that we can make you feel more guilty, but so that you have spoken it out loud, so that we can create accountability, so that we can pray for one another, and so we can listen to the voice of the Spirit together. Because when we throw off the things that entangle, the things that trip us up and distract us, 
we focus on the goal to which we have been called, or as the writer to the Hebrews says, we run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There's a lot of imagery in the New Testament that talks about discipleship and following Jesus as running towards a prize. And that's not imagery that I use very often or that I'm very kind of familiar with in my daily language. It seems a little odd, but this idea that being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus isn't a burden, it's actually a joy, and there is this reward, there is this delight, there is this blessing that God is calling us towards. Now, sometimes people have just thought about that as solely in the future, that one day we will be with God forever, and we sang a couple of songs this morning that kind of lifted our eyes to think, you know, one day it's going to be great. But it's not just a one-day thing. God's desire for his followers, for disciples of Jesus today, is that we would enjoy flourishing life with him now, that we would be blessed and be a blessing, that we would experience his favor and all that life is intended to be. And the phrase that has captured my imagination over the last couple of days, I couldn't find it, I had to go like searching through the Bible, I'm like, where is that? But it's actually in Galatians chapter 4 where Paul is talking about his heart and his desire for the community he leads. And he's like, I'm in like the pains of childbirth for you. It's a graphic image. But because my desire for you is that Christ might be formed in you. That's his wording for the goal of discipleship, that Christ might be formed in you. Now, that might sound like very Christian religious language, but essentially what Paul is saying is that you might get to live the Jesus life that you might get to experience all the joy and all the connection with God and all the right relationships with other people and all the opportunities and the blessings that Jesus lives. Everything that is wonderful about life as it is intended to be lived, that Jesus lived the sort of true and best human life that has ever been lived, that is available to you and God is trying to form that in you. It's not a burden. It's not a difficulty. It's an invitation to to put it in modern language, the best life you could possibly imagine. That's what God is calling us towards. How are we becoming more like Jesus, being formed more like him so that we might experience all that God has for us? Well, the writer to the Hebrew says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. It's about knowing him, about spending time with him. That's what forms us, allowing him to be with us in every aspect of our life. So I wanted to um, kind of finish this morning. Finish probably sounds like I'm wrapping up in one minute. There's a little bit more to go. But (laughs) the rest of the time this morning, I wanted to ask this question. How do we spend time with Jesus and grow more and more like him? What are the habits that form us as like Jesus and that give us this flourishing, blessed, rewarding life that God has promised. There are any number of habits that followers of Jesus have found important. If we look back at that great cloud of witnesses, they might talk to us about things like solitude and simplicity, generosity and gratitude. There are a number of habits that we can practice and be formed in. But I want to talk today just about two, about two core habits that pretty much every follower of Jesus who says they have experienced this blessing and flourishing life that God has intended for them has found central. Habits that form us like Jesus. And it's not rocket surgery. They are prayer and scripture. It comes back to the very simple, basic things that God wants to speak to us and wants us to speak to him. 
He wants us to be in a relationship with him. Two simple habits that form us as disciples, prayer and scripture. And that's why I asked Dave to read that second passage because it goes right back to the Old Testament, the Shema, this prayer that Jesus himself would have prayed every day of his life, morning and night, because that's what Jewish people did. From Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and in your mind. And how do you do that? Well, you take these words that has been spoken to you, that's the scriptures, and you repeat them to your children and you talk about them as you're walking down and as you're, li- as you're walking along the road and as you're lying down and you write them on your doorposts and you spend time listening to them and sharing them and meditating on them. Listening to God's voice as a part of your daily life in all ways. We have the opportunity in the scriptures and in prayer to hear God speak and to spend time getting to know him to develop the habit of hearing him speaking into our lives. So I essentially want to ask you this morning a pretty simple question. What are your prayer and scripture habits? How are you spending time with God regularly and frequently, listening and talking to him, reading and hearing his word? And maybe how has this season either exposed your need for that or revealed the importance of it? So a little about, for me, my journey, um, I became a Christian in my teenage years uh, in the 1990s, and the big phrase at the time was quiet times. Have you had your quiet time today? People would ask each other. And it sounds so corny now, but there was something really accountable about that, about saying, you know, one of the habits that we want to develop as followers of Jesus is taking time every day to read his word and to pray. He's a good practice, maybe unhelpful language or unhelpful ideas that it always has to be silent and it always has to be personal and individual. But in terms of a habit that formed me, I'm so grateful for the people who spoke that into my life. As I got older, I needed to realize that I had to develop my own unique habits, that my personality and my experience shapes me and what works for me might not work for you because I am a little bit of a grammar nerd and I am a little bit of an extrovert and an external processor and all the things that make me me also shape how I practice this. But I remember doing a leadership program called Arrow about 10 years ago now and we had all these different speakers over the two years of the program. We had all kinds of different speakers come and speak to us. We had the CEO of one of Australia's largest companies. We had a senator. We had the leader of one of the biggest churches in Australia. This kind of high pro- we had Tim Costello. We had all these high-profile people. And there was this pattern that I noticed that every single one of them would stand up there and say, I need to make sure I'm reading my Bible and praying. That's how I get to flourish and succeed and do all these amazing things that look like a fantastic life to you. It all comes back to my daily discipleship habits of reading God's word, listening for his voice, and spending time in prayer. You don't graduate beyond that, is what that was saying. Don't think you're better than that. Return to it. And certainly my time over the last few years here at Richmond, I've been really encouraged and inspired by how we've been trying to practice some of these things communally, to recognise it's not just individual, but to be reading the Bible with someone else, to be praying with other people, that it doesn't just have to be personal and private, but we can walk this journey together. And so what we thought we'd do this morning, rather than just listen to me, is actually invite someone who has been practising these habits for many, many years. She's got a look at her face that says, I really don't want to do this, but we love you, Pat. So I'm going to invite Pat to come up the front. Please make her welcome. Have that microphone. Thank you. There you go. Now, Pat, even though you've been in this church longer than nearly all of us, not everyone knows you because some people are newer, so maybe you could introduce yourself for anyone who doesn't know you. Mm. Well, after everything, can you hear me? 
everything that's been said. There's really what else is for me to say. Um, everything that has been said and sung is so true. Well, what did you say? Who am I? <laughs> Who are you? Yeah, tell us about yourself. I'm an old lady on the way out, yes. <laughs> and my children tell me I suffer from verbal diarrhoea, so there you are. So I'll be careful. <laughs> um, How long have you been part of this I've church community? I've been coming to this church since 1960. How many of you are alive then? <laughs> <laughs> I started off in England, although I was born in Hong Kong, which I'm always very proud to say. My father, my family were in the army, so I, I grew up in a kind of a rigid kind of environment in England, and I came to know Jesus in England. We were, well, the, nobody in the family was really a Christian. They would think that they were, they believed in God, but that was about all. But God had his hand on me right from the very beginning, which was quite amazing. So I grew up like that. I was a naughty child, apparently, so my mother told me. You wouldn't think so, would you? But, uh, very naughty. <laughs> At school, too. <laughs> I had to be the boss. Uh, um, what about your family? Tell us about your family. In England? Oh, no. Now? Yeah, oh, family, yeah we yeah. better finish yeah. with England. Anyway, <laughs> but... <laughs> Anyway, I did my nursing training over in England. I always, always wanted to be a nurse, and so did nursing and midwifery. So I got a bit bored with England. God wasn't doing what I wanted him to do. I wanted him to send me off to Africa, and obviously he thought that I wasn't uh, mature enough. So I thought, well, I'll show you. I'll go to a New Zealand. I wanted to go to New Zealand, but they didn't <laughs> want me. <laughs> So I ended up in, I thought, South Australia. I've been to the south of France. I like the climate, so I'll come here. <laughs> so I came out here on my own. Family were not happy, but I was. And got a job up at Wakery. And I was there for about six months. And my goodness, when I saw Australia, I thought, well, what a dump is this? What was <laughs> wasn't like England, it was pretty ugly, <laughs> and corrugated iron, and oh, it was awful. Anyway, I met my husband up there, he was from Europe, so that my poor parents, they were, what are you marrying a foreigner for, you know? So um, I came back to Adelaide, and uh, then got married, had five children, very quickly, which nearly sent me insane. <laughs> which it did, but anyway. <laughs> I survived, have 11 grandchildren, eight granddaughters and three grandsons, and second great-grandchild on the way, wow. but because of COVID, I can't see. Anyway, it's been a roller coaster ride, but through everything in life, God, God has managed to keep me sane, and um, focused, and here I am now, 86 years old, still praising the Lord. Came, we came to this church when we first got married and been here all this time. There have been a few times when I thought, I'm leaving, I can't stand this place anymore, don't like what they're doing, don't agree. <laughs> so I'm going, and I thought to God, I had to talk a lot with him, where else do I go? You know, I'm... I'm 
Uh, I'm here because I want to praise and worship God, and that's what it's all about. And look at us now. <laughs> look at you all. It's an um, absolute miracle. That's fantastic. Thanks, Pat. Now, you've obviously, it's a you know, long life. We could That's talk right. to Pat afterwards if you haven't God. talked to her because lots and lots of stories and lots of ups and downs, yeah. like you're saying, Rollercoaster. You've been through yeah. some really hard stuff yeah. and some really great times. But talking to you about this, you know, the, the really mm. simple practices that kind of keep you faithfully walking yes. with Jesus. You're another person that I think of who just mm. says, you know, I spend time in prayer, I, I read yes. the Bible. How do, how do you practice those habits and how do you keep them up over such a long mm. period of time? don't know. It's easy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you have your ups and downs in life, of, of course. And there's, But w where else do you go? I mean, right from the beginning, and I thought, well, God is a spirit. I can't see him. How It's, it's like any other relationship. As you said, it's not rocket science. <laughs> it's uh, all very simple, really. If you want a relationship with somebody, you've got to relate to them. And how do you do that? God is a spirit, and I was taught right from the very beginning, like you said, prayer, Bible, Bible reading, and as you get old and as you grow, it becomes more and more exciting. There's nothing boring about this. You can open this book. I remember the story, we lots of stories in England, apparently there was some evangelist, evangelistic preacher. Back in the old days, people would go out at the weekend and go on a street corner or, or whatever, and they would um, speak, preach. And this particular man, they used to wear little hats then, and he'd have uh, his hat on the ground, and he'd say, look, look, he'd said, it's alive. It's alive, and people would come around, and then they'd say, well, what's alive? What's he got under his hat? And he'd take it off, and he'd have his Bible. <laughs> it's alive, and it is. It's alive. This is a dangerous... This is a dangerous book. Once you start reading this, you can't put it down. And I waste, spend <laughs> a lot of time looking at this. But you never, you never come to an end of it all. It's just wonderful. And prayer, prayer first. Bible study with other, other people. It's been a little bit difficult with COVID, but we're in challenging times. And as, as you've already said, God's... God's using us in this time. It's exciting times that you're all going to see. Scary, dangerous, but um, great, challenging. I wish I was you. Well, I don't really. I can't, <laughs> I can't wait to get up there. <laughs> I can't. Anyway. No, I think it was the same. Praise the Lord. So it's prayer. It is. And when, when you're old, I mean, you really live with, and when you're on your own, my husband's in a nursing home, and there he is. You don't mind. Quite amazing what God does. He was brought up Roman Catholic, and back in those days, when I was, you know, Protestants and Roman Catholics. Although I was, I went to a convent. So, um, but uh, over at the nursing home, whenever he goes into the dining room, he, he's just amazing. He'll go in yelling out, hello, everybody, he goes, happy birthday. It's always birthdays with Max, so... And then he'll say, well, somebody's having a birthday. So, that's it. Rejoice in the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you so much, Pat. Don't sit down yet. <laughs> um, because I want to say, there's a, there's a number of people here, but Pat, you are one of them who, uh, you know, 
like that cloud of witnesses the writer talks yeah. about, you know, someone who's been running the race a lot longer yeah. than most of us, still running, still got yeah, a little bit yeah, to go, yeah. um, but can be an encouragement and, a, and cheer on those of us who, you know, yes. are a little bit further on. So thank yeah. you so much for your, yeah. not just what you've said, but your life and your example. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Thanks, Pat. I want to be like Pat. <laughs> when I was talking to her this week and she said that, every time I read the Bible, it's more exciting. I'm like, oh, I hope that is. And that has been my experience too, and I hope that continues to be my experience for many years to come. So the invitation we want to share with you this morning is, is how uh, is God inviting you to spend time in prayer and in his word? Just a few thoughts, and I'm sure there's lots of creative things you could add to this, but over this season, I've heard people talk about the importance of prayer in terms of carving out time, but also space. You know, lots of people, you know, getting out into nature, going for a walk on the beach, getting out into the bush and connecting with God and disconnecting from all of the stuff of this world for us for a time can, can make us able to hear God speak. Um, people practicing simple rituals like times with your family, whether it's around the table or at bedtime or, whatever, or in the first thing in the morning, where you can together run the race and be spending time listening to God. Um, rituals like the Lord's Prayer, um, you know, we, we just did a whole series on that, but actually a prayer that is very simple that can invite you into the presence of God. I know um, at the beginning of COVID, and I'll be honest, I haven't been doing it as much, but still trying sometimes, but the first few weeks of COVID, every night before I went to bed, I was lighting a candle, uh, and that was a reminder for me to just sit in God's presence and listen to him, and something so simple just became, you know, a centering moment of saying, God is with me and God is speaking to me. He has something to say. And I've been really challenged this week again that prayer is not just talking to God, but listening to God. I'm reading a book called The Listening Life, which we've got a few copies of at Richmond because a few of us have read it and think it's amazing. But he talks about prayer as participating in the divine conversation, that God is always speaking whether we are listening or not. God is speaking. God speaks to himself. Father, Son, and Spirit is having a conversation about you and about what's going on in the world, and you're invited to be a part of it if you will only listen. Um, and it's really uh, amazing practices. If, if you're interested in that book, we've actually lent out all the copies, but I've got a PDF of his chapter on listening to God, which I'm more than happy to email to anyone who wants it, because if you're looking for some uh, encouragement and inspiration to practice prayer as a daily habit, there's lots of great ideas in that. And then, of course, the scriptures, reading the Bible. In that same book, one of the things he said that I found really profound was that reading the Bible is how we familiarize ourselves with the sound of God's voice. God speaks through his word, and by reading his word, you get to hear what God sounds like. You get to see all the stories of the way that God interacts in the world and the things that he has to say to all of us so that you can hear him speak into your own life as well. And again, there are so many resources for reading the Bible. There's apps you can get on your phone and daily reading resources, or just pick up a Bible like Pat said and start, uh, start reading through it. Um, meditate on it. Go and study it. And there's so many different ways that we can connect with God. But probably one of the most helpful things that I've found in the last few years is actually reading the Bible with someone else. And it's something we talk about a lot at Richmond, and I'm going to talk about it again today because I want to encourage you, if you're not doing this, come and talk to us. We would love to hook you up. <laughs> Our little habit has been to encourage people to read the Bible with one other person. 
And having grown up thinking that reading the Bible was always something I had to do by myself, I have found this so helpful um, to actually read the Bible with someone else, partly because it keeps me accountable and it makes the habit happen, um, but partly because it's in the conversation that God often speaks in new ways and someone else's perspective on the Word will allow me to see things that I haven't seen before. And I was talking to someone this week from our church who's reading the Bible with someone else, I won't name them, who said, we've been reading the Gospels and I just feel like I'm getting to know Jesus as a person. And I'm like, that is what it is all about. Um, Lauren and I have been reading the Bible together, I think it's nearly five years. I was trying to figure it out, you know, and we don't do it, you know, as often as we should. We're actually at the moment, I'm like, I'm speaking and you're leading today and like, we haven't met for the last three weeks. Um, but over five years, we have read through Mark's gospel, we've read through the Psalms, we've read through Ruth together, and it's, it's the habit and the practice of it over time regularly that has been formative in ways, rather than every time we meet being like some amazing light bulb, you know, lightning bolt from God. Um, it is the fact that we do it frequently and regularly that it becomes a habit that is formative and transformative. So whether you have never read the Bible before, or whether you've read it back to front a million times, whether you don't understand it at all, or whether it's your job to teach it, uh, actually, reading the Bible with someone else is a simple habit that will transform and form you in the ways of Jesus. I could keep rambling on all day about these things because I'm pretty passionate about it. But again, the invitation I just have for you is take a moment and think, what are your habits at the moment? How are you listening to the voice of God, spending time in prayer and reading his word? Is there a challenge and a conviction? Is there an invitation and an inspiration for you? And again, the easy thing to do would be to leave it in this room, lock it up and walk away and forget about it. The encouragement is to name it, talk to someone else about it uh, so that we might keep practicing it together. I'm going to pray and then we're going to finish our time together with, I guess, a corporate habit, a practice of communion. So let me pray. King Jesus, we thank you that you have invited us to, to know you and to become like you, to be formed into your life, a life that is everything that God has created us to be, all that God has for us, that it is a blessing and a reward and an invitation to something amazing. And we know that the ways that we practice our daily habits frequently and regularly shape us and form us. They lead us towards you and of course there are those things that distract us and entangle us. As followers of Jesus, my prayer is, and I invite anyone who else whose prayer it is to join with me in this prayer, my prayer God is that we would be willing to name and throw off those things that so easily entangle. It might be difficult, it might take time, but that you would convict and challenge us in those areas where we need it and that you would give us others who can cheer us on and that you would invite us to those habits and practices that will form us and shape us and make us more like you. Thank you for Pat. We thank you for her faithful witness and testimony to a life uh, of living out these habits and being shaped and formed and continuing to be shaped and formed into a person who is so excited and looking forward to being with you forever because of what you've been doing in the day-by-day -day regular practice of discipleship. We pray that you might give us the perseverance to run our own races like that too. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.